0: Our scripture reading today comes from the letter to Ephesus, um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all the things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it was equipped, as each part is working properly Promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I'm going to try this little like stand-up comic type right here today, so we'll see how it goes. One of my favorite shows of all time is 30 Rock. Is anyone fans of 30 Rock? All right, yeah, amongst my people here. So Liz Lemon, um, what's Tina Fey in real life? Centers around Tina Fey. I don't don't know if any of you remember the episode where Liz comes up with the deal breaker scenario. So thank you. Steve is such a good, he's such a good choir leader there. So for those who have not sadly watched the show, Basically, I don't remember how it starts off, but she's interacting with some people, and she's like, that's a deal breaker. And she kind of plays this up so much that eventually her boss, Jack, is like, we should make up a show. And part of the comedy is that Liz does terribly on the show, and they have to scrap it. Um, But basically, you know, it's like, that's a deal breaker, that's a deal breaker, that's a deal breaker. So I was thinking about what are some deal breakers uh, that I have in my life. And some of these are, are really serious, um... Recently, I've decided that McDonald's no longer having drink stands is a deal breaker for me. And I don't know how many of you frequent McDonald's, but unfortunately, since COVID, they have gotten rid of drink refill stands. And if you're wondering, well, that's not that big of a sacrifice, you're looking at someone who had nearly 100,000 points at McDonald's in the rewards app. So I was sadly too much of a McDonald's aficionado, and I decided that's a deal breaker. No free refills, that is a deal breaker. Um, another deal breaker for me is fantasy sports. I don't like to play fantasy sports because I might have to root against my team. Indirectly. Like I might have to root for a player to do well against my team. So that's a deal breaker for me. Uh, one other deal breaker for me, oh, I'm losing pages here. Pages of notes. One other deal breaker for me is air mattresses i decide, decided, unless it's for family, I am not sleeping on an air mattress. <laughs> um, I went to a conference, well, a conference, I should use the term loosely, a few years ago, and don't worry, it was not staff retreat. It was another staff meeting retreat thing, and I got there, and I was, we were staying in some house, and there was two air mattresses, and not only was I sharing a room, but I was sharing a room with an air mattress, and I decided... That's a deal breaker for me going forward. No air mattresses unless it's family. So perhaps you've heard the news, and I'll get a little bit depressing here for a second. Speaking of deal breakers, several weeks back, several congregations in the What's Our Conference, the Mountain Sky Conference, the United Methodist Church, officially decided that disagreements on the topic of human sexuality was for them a deal breaker. All told, I think it was 32 Thirty two churches left the conference, and most, all most joining the Global Methodist Conference, this newly formed denomination. Now, for some of you perhaps, like perhaps like me, who are not super familiar with the United Methodist tradition or church history, might be like, well, that's disconcerting. All this conflict and division might seem really unsettling, and I think in some ways it is, but In other aspects, division and disagreement in the Christian tradition really is not that all abnormal, especially around this issue. In the last 15 years, there's been a lot of conflict and division in American Christianity over the topic of human sexuality. In 2009, the Episcopal Church had a bunch of churches leave their denomination after they appointed a gay bishop, Gene Robinson. In 2012, the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church of the United States, had churches leave their denomination when they allowed gay clergy. In 2013, the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, had an African division completely leave the denomination over this issue. The tradition in which I'm ordained the Disciples of Christ in 2013 allowed the ordination of, of gay clergy, again leading some churches to leave. So it's been, unfortunately, an issue of division and strife for several years. And if we go back even further, in time, Christians have been splitting from one another over other issues as well. So going way back, in 1054, like, think a thousand years ago, the Eastern Church, think uh, Greek Orthodox, Byzantine Church, split from the Western Church, what we know today as the Roman Catholic Church, in 1054, partly because of issues and disagreements about papal authority. That's a big word, but basically how much authority does the Pope have? In the 16th century, perhaps you've heard this, this guy named Martin Luther got really upset about the Roman Catholic Church and kind of what he saw as corruption and uh, matters of theology, and he, he one day nailed these 95 theses, the What was it? Wittenberg? Wittenberg Castle door or something famous for that. Which, you know, we're kind of here today because Martin Luther got grumpy at the Catholic Church and Protestantism formed. And then it keeps going. 1534, the Church of England formed primarily because Henry VIII wanted a divorce and the Catholic Church wouldn't give him one. Uh, And then I guess, as I understand it, you Methodists can really correct me here, but in 1795... With a plan of pacification, Methodism officially spru- split from the Church of England after the Revolutionary War. I guess I'm getting ahead on, so I guess we're accurate on that. So this challenge of division and splintering, as much as it has been a history in Christianity, I think even goes back further than this, even to the beginnings of Christianity. We might say that division and disagreement is simply part of the human condition. So the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, this ancient city, long ago, I think, to prepare them for this challenge. Now, uh, in this writing, that, in this letter, which was really a letter that, that Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus, there are no obvious signs of conflict or division. Now, if you remember, I think, was it last week or two weeks ago, Sandy preached from the book of 1 Corinthians, a, a, a letter that's famous for division, or a church, Paul was writing to a church well known for division and conflict. This wasn't the case here when Paul wrote to Ephesus. Um, Paul wrote this letter near the end of his ministry career, so to speak, so he had lots of wisdom and insights, probably perhaps thinking back on the conflict at Corinth, but wanting to share with this church at Ephesus. He had already seen conflict and division and strife wreak havoc in churches, so he makes this plea... To the church. He says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling of which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, three things he emphasizes there I want to highlight humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love and determination making every effort. So, I know it's not super popular right now in our modern perhaps context gentleness. We don't think oh, gentleness is a, is a especially for men if I can if I can say that. For men it's not gentleness is not necessarily a characteristic we want to be known as but I'm remembering that in Galatians chapter 5, another letter that Paul wrote, Paul says that gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, meaning a sign that God's Spirit is within us. Gentleness, humility, again, patience, bearing with one another in love, and determination, making every effort. I think about where else do I see these three traits really being needed. I think about long-term relationships, marriage, Committing to one another requires humility, gentleness, patience. My wife could speak together probably better than this I could, right? Patience, bearing with one another. If you've been in a long-term relationship, you know it's oftentimes a lot of bearing with one another. And lastly, I think determination. Sometimes in a long-term relationship, you've got to make every effort to stick together. Now, that doesn't mean there are some things in a long-term relationship or marriage that are, as I said from the top, deal-breakers, right? Infidelity, abuse, those are sometimes deal-breakers for a relationship. And I'm not here to say that deal-breakers in matters of theology or beliefs aren't important. I think deal-breakers, there are some things that will ultimately need to be deal-breakers for us. And I think Paul is saying that. He says there is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So Paul does lay out some deal breakers. So it's not that he's saying those beliefs aren't important. But I think what he is saying is that how we act toward one another trumps those beliefs. You know, we live in a time, and, and this is my opinion, but I imagine you probably see this too. I think we live in a time right now where being a jerk toward those with whom we disagree is seen as a badge of honor. Like, we get points within our own kind of tribe or crew for being a jerk to the other side we disagree with. Even within the Christian church, it seems that we can mock and belittle and insult and disparage those with whom We disagree. On the left end of Christianity, people shame and belittle and mock those on the right, and then those on the right do the same thing, and shame and and mock and belittle those on the left. Now, on the issue of human sexuality, I want to be clear this morning that I am affirming of LGBT plus persons living faithfully as they believe God has called them to be even still i find it perhaps i find it perhaps disheartening and unproductive when those on the other side of the issue are labeled as hateful or bigoted speaking for me i have friends and family who are on the other side of this issue so it's personal for me they're on the other side of this issue and they disagree with me in my beliefs and convictions on this issue yet i can see that they are seeking to faithfully follow the way of Jesus. So what does that mean for me? For me, then, I seek to act with humility and gentleness. Doesn't mean I've always been gentle and humble with them, but I try to act with humility and gentleness. I try to be patient with them and stick together, and I make every effort. I'm determined when I can, how I can, to maintain those relationships. To keep those relationships going because we can't agree on this. If there's one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. You know, there are going to be people with whom you disagree with and I disagree with on some fundamental levels. And outside of church, we may be able to go our separate ways. We're seeing this right now in our society, where people are self-sorting to red states and blue states, to to blue counties and red counties, to blue cities and, and red cities. In our work, we might want to go leave one company and join another company that we feel like better aligns with our business philosophy or business values. Even with our kids' schooling, we can take our kids to one school or another school that kind of aligns with what we feel is best for our kid or aligns with their own educational values. But in church, I believe, when it comes to our fellow believers, even when we have something we feel strongly and passionately about, you, me, we must choose to stick together together And to act with humility and gentleness, with patience, and with determination, making every effort to maintain relationship and to maintain unity. Now perhaps you're wondering, that sounds nice in theory, what does this look like? So I want to share this story that comes from a, a friend and colleague of mine, the Reverend Dennis Sanders. He shared this in a blog recently, so I'm going to read this for you. He writes that several denominations struggle with the issue of gay pastors. I'm reminded of something that happened to me a few years ago. He says, I just graduated from seminary and was doing chaplain training in a local nursing home. I was still involved at the church where I was an intern and was asked to serve on the church board. It came to a vote and I was voted in nearly unanimously. I say nearly because one person voted against me. I knew who it was, and so did many others. It was an elderly member of the church. He had some idea that I was gay, and many people assumed that that is why he voted against me. After the meeting concluded, he asked me to come with him into another room, and he explained that he prayed and studied the scripture on the issue of homosexuality, but his conscience was not swayed in his favor. Dennis writes, as this man said this to me, to Dennis, the man began to cry. Dennis writes, I was and still am touched by this gesture. He did not have to explain to me his actions. He did. Dennis writes, he might not approve of who I sleep with, but he did treat me with respect. This wasn't simply about being right for him, but about being loving. Dennis writes, yeah, I know his actions were hurtful, and it would have been nice if he had voted in my favor, but I could respect his decision, even if it was wrong, because he valued me and respected me. Notice from that story three principles from Paul in that encounter. Humility and gentleness. Think about that story, the man in tears. Humbly coming to him and saying, I disagree with you on this issue, but I'm humble and gentle about it, so much that it moved him to tears. Think about the patience of my colleague Dennis, patiently choosing to be with the man who had voted against him, the only one in that room. Think about the determination of both of them to stick together despite disagreeing on this issue. You know, we're not going to agree on everything. But I think if we can agree on these three principles, if we can act out of these three principles, we'll find what makes us different is less important than what makes us in common. And at minimum, at minimum, I believe we can cling to this shared confession. There's one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. I want to invite you to say it with me. You don't have the words in front of you, but repeat after me. There is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all. And in all. Amen.